Thanks for coming out. Man, we're, we're marching closer to this awesome day um, of, of Christmas and something that we celebrate every year. Uh, so we've been going through this, um, this sermon series uh, starting uh, last week uh, called Origin Story. And uh, basically, uh, just to kind of uh, talk about that a little bit, um, yeah, some of you, most of y'all know that I love movies and I just have to connect everything to movies. I can't help it. It's my language. Um, so when watching uh, a character arc uh, on fold over many movies, um, it's really actually easy uh, to forget the fundamentals of, of who that character is and what they've come to do. Um, so it really pays uh, to go back to the first movie, right, or the origin story, and actually remind ourselves of those fundamentals of, of that character and why they're doing what it is that they're doing. Um, and uh, so, man, just recently in preparation for uh, the December 20th Star Wars coming out in the theaters, I went back to the first Star Wars uh, from the 1970s, A New Hope, um, because I wanted to remind myself of, man, what is the core of this Star Wars saga? You know, uh, December 20th is the end of this 40-year uh, Skywalker saga. So, man, to remind myself of those core fundamentals, I went back to the first movie and uh, to relearn them, to remind myself of what those fundamentals are and uh, to peel back all of those layers that have built up over the years and getting at what is the central core um, of, of this series of movies. And uh, in a sense, um, that's what we're doing here uh, with Jesus. Uh, in a sense, we're doing that with Jesus's origin story. Man, you read all the Gospels and there's all these layers of things that Jesus did and um, the letters from Paul and over the years, how that impacts us as Christians. And man, every year we come to the Christmas story, and we usually go back to the same scriptures, right, in Matthew and Luke and John, and um, man, we, we rediscover what are the fundamentals, what are, what's the core of our faith, what's the core of who Jesus is, and uh, that's what we're doing. We're going back to the origin story, um, how all of this started, and, and what we can learn and, uh, about this, and how we can live that out uh, in our lives, and we're going to be reminded of some of these fundamentals today, just like last week, of who Jesus Jesus is, our faith, and what it all means and how uh, we should live. Man, last week, last week uh, we learned uh, about Jesus' genealogy in the beginning of Matthew 1. Man, this awesome scripture, you'd never, uh, you'd never believe that you could learn so much from a genealogy, right? Uh, we learned about Jesus' genealogy, and we learned a couple things, some fundamentals uh, about his genealogy, his lineage, and the families, the generations that he came from, and a couple of those fundamentals were, man, we learned about God's humanity in Christ, God's humanity in Christ and what that means to us, that Jesus comes from a jacked up family. He comes from uh, just a dysfunctional family. And, and we learned about what that means uh, to us. And the other fundamental that we learned was, man, God's grace um, in Christ. God's grace in Christ. When you look down the genealogy and, and see all these people, you can read all their stories in the Old Testament scripture. And these are messed up people. These are messed up people that struggle with sin, uh, all kinds of unspeakable things, uh, faithful people that struggled, unfaithful people that struggled. Um, but man, God's grace in Christ, man, is what brought them to himself. And we can never get to God on our own strength and on our own performance. It's his grace coming down through his love to reach out to us. Man, and we learned about that, God's grace in Christ. So here we are today.
Right here we are today. We're in Matthew 1, uh, verses 18 through 25. And uh, that the, some of the fundamentals that we're going to learn uh, today is we're going to learn about how Jesus' birth uh, confronts our fears. Jesus' birth confronts our fears. Man, God is always confronting our fears. Man, I, 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 I actually, uh, I just wrote this sermon yesterday. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I prepared this sermon yesterday. Can you believe that? I actually had another sermon that was prepared for today. I had it prepared all week. I was like, all right, this is good. You know, it's good to go. This is great. Feeling good about it. And then uh, in the middle of the night on Friday night, I woke up in my sleep, and I distinctly felt like God was calling me to scratch it and to go in a different direction. I was like, really? Are you serious, God? <laughs> Are you serious? I can barely prepare a sermon in seven days, let alone one day. And I, I started getting this fear, like, man, can, can I, like, really? Like, do I have to do this? Like, can I, can I just go with this sermon? Like, do I have to go in this direction and, and just put all this, you know, time in preparing, like, a brand new sermon? And in 24 hours, I was feeling uh, this fear. I wasn't trusting God. I wasn't trusting him at first, but then I decided, you know what, I'm going to trust him, and I'm just going to scratch this message, and I'm just going to start from new, starting Saturday morning. And uh, I prepared this message uh, yesterday. He was confronting my fears, you know, and, and I'm asking him, does it have to be this way? Can you confront my fears in another way, in a way that I can, like, handle Right? Man, do you guys ever say that to God? Man, does it have to be this way? Can it be another way? Can it be a little bit easier? You know? Now, we're going to see that in this story uh, here today in, in this scripture. And let's, get, let's pray before we uh, get into the scripture. Father, uh, God, I thank you um, for this time. Lord, I thank you for your word. We revisit these birth texts uh, seemingly every year, Father, at this time of the year. And uh, I know for myself, sometimes it can, it can be like, man, I, I've read this before. I've heard this before. What can possibly be new? And your word can lose its freshness, its newness to us. Father, I pray that... Um, your word becomes new to us again. I pray that you make your word fresh. Fresh and new. And that you would speak to us through this scripture in, in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Lord, God, you love us so much and you know what's right for us. You know far more than what we know about ourselves. And Father, you confront our fears. We don't want our fears to be confronted, but you confront our fears, Lord. Because it's the right thing to do. It's the way you change us. It's the way you transform us and the way that you draw us to yourself. More and more intimately and authentically. Because that's what it's all about. It's about a relationship with you. And Father, I just uh, I lift up this message to you, Lord, that you would speak to us where we are, 
And we thank you for all these things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's get into the scripture in uh, Matthew. It's on the screen. Chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to read the whole text, and then we'll kind of walk through it. Scripture says this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. It says now, right? So, so with that said, it's basically Matthew saying, you know what, in light of this genealogy, in light of this genealogy, here's a story. Here's a story about this Jesus who was born. And then it says in this way. It says in this way. Through Matthew, God is actually preparing us for something. He's preparing us for something. And we're about to find out that the way... Man, it's not the way that we would expect the Messiah, God himself, to be born. He's going to show us this way. And the scripture continues on. It says this. It says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son... And she shall call his name Jesus, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Jesus isn't even born yet. And here he is. He's confronting us by the way that he's born. He's already confronting us by the way he's born. And he's doing this through a very ordinary, complicated, confusing situation you know, when I was preparing this, I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking back to uh, how it all happened when you know, my wife and I were pregnant with our first child. And I, I remember uh, the, the night that she, or morning, that, that she told us about um, this pregnancy and that she, would, that she was pregnant, right? Just a really kind of ordinary um, situation. And uh, I remember my, my response. You guys want to know what my response was? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? You know, you, you want to get pregnant, but you never actually think. It's kind of hard to believe that it could actually happen, you know, that you could actually be like a parent or like a father or a mother. And instead of being like, yes, awesome, congratulations, this is awesome. I'm like, are you serious? It's just a, 
complicated, very ordinary situation, right? And this is kind of what we're dealing with. This is just a very human way. You know, God, God is introducing himself to the world in a very ordinary, kind of complicated and confusing situation. This is not the, this is not the way you would expect God himself to be born into the world. You would think that he would be born into a world through, through a king and a queen, right? And that the red carpet would be rolled out and all this and that. And here he is. He's about to be born into the world through this blue-collar family. Joseph and Mary. Not a wealthy family by any stretch of the imagination. This very ordinary and complicated situation. And we learn, we learn what's brewing in the recesses of, of, of Joseph's heart, right? What do we see here in the text? What's, what's deep in his heart? The angel says, do not fear. And Joseph is filled with fear. He's filled with fear. It's at the center of his heart. That fear is at the heart of this text. There in verse 20. And the angel of the Lord uh, tells him not to fear. Where is this fear coming from? Where, where is this fear coming from? We have to look earlier in the text, in verses 18 through 19. It says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Matthew doesn't give these details, these very peculiar details by accident. God is trying to tell a story through Matthew. And he's giving these, de- these details, betrothed to Joseph before they came together, before they came together, now, you've got to understand that in ancient Jewish culture, there were three parts to marriage. It's a little different today. There's really like two parts to marriage today. There's engagement and then there's marriage. There's the wedding. Well, in ancient Jewish culture, there was like three parts. And the first part was engagement, right? Just like us. There was engagement where when the bride and the groom, were, they were quite young and it was often arranged by the parents. So there is these, these arranged marriages. And then there is the second part that doesn't, we don't really have today, is the second part is this betrothal period. Right after the engagement is this betrothal period, and it made the engagement official and binding. And during this betrothal period, um, they're basically married. They just didn't have the ceremony yet. They're basically married. They just didn't have the ceremony yet. And they're known as husband and wife. They're known as husband and wife. They can only be broken by divorce. And then there's the third part, which is the marriage, which is the actual ceremony. And all of this, uh, and this marriage, this took place after the wedding, after the year of betrothal. So Joseph, Joseph and Mary, they're just chilling in this betrothal period, right? They're in this betrothal period and their marriage was set. It's good, right? They're husband and wife. They're husband and wife. Just the ceremony hasn't happened yet. And now, up to verse 19, we know through the text that the child is of the Holy Spirit. We know that. We know that through the text that the child is of the Holy Spirit, but Joseph doesn't know that yet. Joseph doesn't know that yet. So he legitimately believes that Mary has cheated on him. He legitimately believes that Mary has committed adultery and cheated on him because they weren't having sex. Right? That was a big thing back then. You save yourself for marriage. Mary was a virgin. Now, it's not that big, big of a deal today, but that was a big deal back then. That was a big deal back then. He basically believes that Mary has slept with another man and thereby committing adultery and giving her virginity to another. 
Now back then, that is a huge deal. That's a really big deal back then. Joseph's entire reputation, his entire family name is on the line. It's all on the line through this. To stay, man, he would have to carry a stigma around of that dude whose wife cheated on him. If they were to have this baby, that baby would be just that baby, you know, that was, you know, that was born through adultery. That was a stigma that he would have to carry around. And there was shame upon people back then for that situation uh, to happen. This was a huge deal back then. And he's facing a stigma that comes with being married to a wife who has committed adultery. And then Matthew, he also shares, he writes that he was a just man. So here, here, here's Joseph, who's this blue-collar guy, right? And he, he's, he's, he's very upright, and he has high standards of uprightness and justice and fairness. He carefully observed, as a Jewish man, he carefully observed God's law. As we see it in the Old Testament scriptures, that was their scripture back then. They, he carefully observed God's law. He wanted to do the right thing, the honorable thing, the just thing, the good thing, and he valued his reputation, he valued what people thought about him. He knew he was innocent, but according to the customs of that time, adultery made her unmarriable, unable to, to go through with this, to go any further, and in fact, to, to, to divorce. And by marrying her, Joseph was compromising himself, his reputation, his family's name, his uprightness, and submitting himself to public shame. Joseph would not have posted this news on Facebook. He wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have posted this on Instagram for all people to see. He would have kept this hidden. He met this situation with great trepidation, with great fear and trembling. But through the angel, God tells Joseph, pump the brakes, Pump the brakes. The angel then explains why he doesn't have to fear. Now Joseph finds out what's going on here. That baby in Mary is the Messiah. That baby is of the Holy Spirit. Wow. What? Really? Joseph learns that the child is the Messiah and that it's God himself. Okay, Mary didn't cheat on me. I think this is good. Mary didn't cheat on me. The baby isn't mine, but she didn't cheat on me. And it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Ordinary just got extraordinary. Ordinary just got extraordinary. And the angel communicates the work of the child. He will come as a savior to save his people from their sins. This is who this child is, and this is what he's coming to do. Joseph has nothing to fear. God is at work here. God is at work here. Okay, God. Okay, God. But why do you have to do it this way? Why do you have to do it this way? Is there another way that you could come into the world? Why does it have to be this way? Why does it have to be so difficult? Why? Matthew, he then, he then follows with a scripture of Isaiah 
from 735 years before this time that prophesied of this moment. That prophesied of this moment. Joseph would have known this scripture. Matthew gives it to us for our reference. As a just man of God who followed God's law and he knew God's word, he would have known this scripture. He would have known this scripture. But it's surreal that he and Mary could be the ones. That's crazy. Man, I've seen this as a, since a kid reading this scripture and, man, this, this, this uh, prophecy. But us? Ordinary just got extraordinary. And we see that Joseph obeyed. And that's the end goal. That's what we want, right? Obedience. Joseph obeyed. He went against his fear-driven motivations, and he went towards those God-driven motivations. Those God-driven motivations. And the Isaiah scripture confirmed the message. The scripture, God's word, confirmed the message. And he chose to trust God and to obey. Now, how do we apply this to our life? How do we apply this to our life now? This extraordinary event. Man, when you peel back all the layers of, of Jesus and the gospel and the things that we read in scripture, and we peel back all the layers to the core in this origin story, man, what are, the, what are those fundamentals here in this scripture that tell us about Jesus and about our faith? Well, fundamental to, our, to Jesus and fundamental to our faith is grappling with fear. It's grappling with fear. Everybody struggles with fear, even Christians. I struggle with fear. Everybody struggles with fear. Nobody on earth is fearless. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about that company, no fear, whatever. That was back in the 90s. No fear. No, everybody has fear. Nobody is fearless. Fear comes from insecurity. It comes from insecurity, and we're insecure because of sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Fear causes us to not trust the security of God. It causes us to not trust the security of God and to look for this security in other ways. If we're honest, fear is at the heart of much of what we do. It's at the heart of much of what we do. Fear is often centered around ourselves and it heavily dictates what decisions we make. Right? Whether I do this or if I do this, we're driven by fear. How we look in the eyes of others. Man, we have that fear about how I might look to somebody else. Fear of a stigma. How we're perceived by others. How we perceive other people. And how we view other people, fear affects us in that way. Fear affects us in what we might have to lose. Fear of losing control. Fear of losing control. Fear from not knowing the future. All these things, Joseph, as he considered these things. Man, before I knew Christ, in my, in my young adolescence, uh, I, I lived with uh, fear of just being myself, of just being myself. My security was in what others thought about me. My security was in what others thought about me, and I just felt like myself just wasn't good enough. 
So I had to pretend to be somebody else. I would see somebody that I really liked and I admired and I would just copy them and just apply it to my life because I felt like that's acceptable. Myself is not acceptable. And I had these fears. And after I graduated college, my life was characterized by fear that played itself out and, and constantly moving from job to job, perpetually discontent, just constantly discontent and fearful that what I was doing and where I was was never enough, that it was never enough. My security was in my achievements and that people knew what those achievements were because that's where I was getting my security from. And, and, and after, meeting with, after meeting Christ, meeting Christ through my wife and through her family, through her parents, he progressively delivered me from those fears. Man, Jesus alone is enough for me now. I don't care what other people think. Jesus is enough. I don't care what I achieve or what I don't achieve. Jesus is enough. And everything else that happens in my life is bonus. It's just icing on the cake. Jesus is enough. My fears now, even as Christians, we have fears. My fears now are my fears that come as a father and a husband and my performance as a father and a husband and what those outcomes might be in the future of my failures. Those are my fears now. Facing fears in this church planting process, God just keeps digging and digging and digging and confronting fear after fear after fear in my heart, and he's digging deep. Because, man, just when I think that I'm not afraid of anything, God's like, uh-uh. You got a lot of fear in your heart, and I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. Man, he's showing it to me. Maybe you have fear centered around finances. Man, finances is a big one. Maybe you have fear centered around finances, or maybe you have fear that's around relationships and, and maybe letting people in and being vulnerable. Maybe you have fear about letting somebody go. Maybe you have fear about letting somebody go and not knowing the future. Man, maybe you fear losing power. Maybe you fear losing power. Maybe you fear losing control. Power and control. Maybe you fear losing it in your marriage, in your relationships, power at work. Man, fear, it, it distorts our perspective. Because of fear, man, things that are right, they feel wrong. And because of fear, things that are wrong feel right. It's because of fear. For Joseph, it felt right to divorce Mary. It felt right to divorce Mary, and then God comes in and says, No, don't divorce Mary. That's not my will. That's not the right thing to do here. But like Joseph had a word from God, like he had a word from God in Isaiah to confirm the angel's message, man, we have the words of God right here to lead us and to guide us. 
to take fear away and to walk in wisdom with him. Man, we have the tender and steadfast love and kindness of God. Man, to teach us and to discipline us, to put away fear and to trust him and him alone. Man, the love of God is shown definitively on the cross. On the cross. The love of God showed definitively on the cross frees us from fear. It frees us from fear. Man, his love is so deep. His love is so deep and it shows us that we can trust him. The cross shows us that we can trust him. Man, if I, if I can provide for your salvation through this, if I can provide for your greatest need of salvation, all those other smaller needs in your life, I can provide for. You can be secure in me. If you can feel secure in your salvation in me, you can feel secure in everything else in your life. There's nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear. I mean, deep down, one of the greatest reasons that we refuse to follow Jesus or to acknowledge Jesus is because of fear. It's because of fear, fear of what we have to lose. Man, if I follow Jesus, I may have to lose this or I may have to lose this. We fear how I might look to others. Man, people are just going to think I'm a Bible hugger. <laughs> Somebody understands me. <laughs> Who cares? I don't care. It's because of fear. Fear of having a stigma as somebody who follows Jesus. Fear of being challenged. Fear of loss of power. The power that we think we have even though we don't have it. The control that we think we have even though it, we don't have control. We think we're going to lose these things if we start following Jesus. The gospel informs us that control and power, they were all just illusions. We don't have any control. We don't have any power. You think you do. We don't. We have no control. We have no power. It was always just illusions. We never had them. The gospel, it frees us from pretenses. Pretenses being fake. That's caused by fear. When I begin to think about God, fear goes away. Fear goes away. When we trust in our own goodness, when we trust in our own goodness and how good I am and my, my great performance, we'll always be uncertain and fearful that it's not enough. Instinctually, we know it's not enough. Instinctually, we know it's not enough. But when we're secure on the rock of Christ's righteousness and what he did on the cross, when we're secure in that, fear leaves us. No fear. Outside God, we have legitimate things to fear. This is not a fairy tale world. Just being honest with you. You know, we just saw Frozen, you know. I watched all these Disney movies with my, with my girls. Saw Frozen 2, this fairy tale world. This is not a fairy tale world. It's not. Outside of God, we have legitimate things to fear. 
With God, we have nothing to fear. Nothing. We have nothing to fear. But not fearing it, it's a learned discipline as we walk with God, as we walk with Him. I'm confident, 100%, that Joseph, this blue-collar dude, just like you and me, he probably wore a hat to church, you know? He probably wore an Eagles jersey. He loved God, but he was just this normal dude, and I'm confident that this was not the first time that he faced fear in his life. I'm confident of that. This wasn't the first time. This wasn't his first radio rodeo. It wasn't. All it was was just the latest one. This was just the latest confrontation from God, confronting his fears and drawing him closer and closer to himself. God will constantly and consistently put us in situations of crisis. It will be the hard way. It'll be the hard way, but it's the best way. And he'll put us in these situations of crisis that cause us to confront our fears and, and to learn to trust him, to be dependent on him and him alone. And when Joseph learned that God was at work here, I'm sure that he felt a great sense of relief. Fear probably went away. However... Staying with her means that the stigma had to stay. They were now going to live a life together with this baby where they had to live with this stigma. They know it's of the Holy Spirit. They know it's, it's God himself. They know it's the Messiah. Not everybody's going to believe that. A lot of people are going to believe that, man, Mary cheated on him. This is not their, her, his child. But he's listening to God. And he's obeying God. They know the truth. Not everybody's going to know the truth like they do. But they know the truth. And the truth of God's working was enough. It was enough for them to carry on what God was calling them to do. Despite how he looked to people, despite how Mary may have looked to people and to others around him. Fear was going away in this particular situation. This is Christmas. That's what this is. This is Christmas is. Man, Christmas is romanticized. It's a wonderful time of the year, and it is. But man, Christmas is so ordinary. It's so complicated. It's so confusing. It's the hard way. This is how God came into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. This is how it took place. Christmas confronts our fears. That is the fu a fundamental of who Jesus is and of our faith. Christmas confronts our fears, and it has to be this way. It has to be this way. Man, where is your fear? Think about that when you leave these doors today. Where is your fear? Maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you haven't completely surrendered to him because of fear. Fear of how you might look to people. Fear of what you might lose, what power you might lose, what control you might lose. 
Following Jesus will be the freest thing that you've ever done in your life. Let's pray.